Hello and welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs and Dan Starkey's still trying to get out of the room. <laughs> Bye. Bye. And in a strange temporal swap around. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, that was, that a big was the smash. door. I think he slammed the door in, in annoyance. Um, uh, Dan Starkey is being interviewed in this podcast. All the information's coming out in the wrong order. It's all right. Let's just panic and get it over with. Okay. I'm Joe Smith. Here's the Big Finish podcast. Uh, big Finish, if you haven't heard of us, we are the purveyors of fine audiobooks and audio drama covering such ranges as Doctor Who, Torchwood, Blake Seven, The Confections of Dorian Gray, ha 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 ha, Sherlock Holmes, The Avengers, The Omega Factor, Survivors, Pathfinder Legends. Help. Terror Hawks, Terror Hawks, Wild Time, Sherlock Holmes. Well, I've done Sherlock Holmes. Uh, sorry, Dark Wiz- Shadows, Wizard of Oz, Dark Shadows, Wizard of Oz, Knight of the Triffids, Christmas, Vienna, Sarah Jane Smith, everything you can Just possibly dream. How about that? How exciting. Coming up in this podcast, we'll have the Big Finish news read by Joe, followed by uh, listeners' emails read by Joe, potentially answered by me, but hopefully just answered by Joe as well and then as I might have mentioned in the confusing introduction Dan Starkey who's famous for playing Strax in Doctor Who uh, came in and did an interview before we did this bit and was just leaving when we started my head's going to explode thank you that was my little Dalek voice there um and then after that, we will uh, randomly select something from the Big Finish archive to chat about and play the trailer of. Then we'll talk about what may or may not happen in the next podcast. Uh, uh, and then there'll be uh, the next instalment of uh, Sherlock Holmes, Hand of the Baskervilles. Okay. Here is the news. Cue ciao. So this week's news and possibly the most exciting thing in Big Finish history, Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor Adventures, is out now, and they're still out now from last week. It's three brand new stories. haven't withdrawn it. No, not yet, anyway. (laughs) Um, It's three brand new stories starring David Tennant and Catherine Tate by Matt Fitton, Jenny T. Cogan and James Goss. They're available individually or in limited edition set while stocks last, and we promise if you download them today, we won't break the servers and stop you from enjoying them. Phew! Sorry about that. It won't happen again. Uh, and you can even, if you go online now, you can even see a full length video interview with the pair. How very, very exciting. But do you know what's even more exciting? And No, tell me. Well, judging, hopefully, if we've got the timing of this podcast right, as this podcast goes live, we'll have just announced our very exciting next uh, Doctor Who Torchwood related box set, which is Torchwood Outbreak, which is very exciting. This is our brand new three part full cast audio drama. Starring John Barrowman, Gareth David Lloyd, and Eve Miles. Uh, very, very exciting. Uh, it's a new story set before the events of Torchwood Children of Earth, which finds Cardiff under attack by a deadly alien virus. Uh, starring alongside uh, the team members of Tortured 3 are uh, Kai Owen as Reese Williams and PC uh, no Tom Price as PC Andy with lots more cast members to be announced soon and indeed lots more secret projects to be announced soon perhaps if you check out John Barrowman's Facebook you might find a few little clues for that he's been very <laughs> postable this week uh, very exciting all the information is now online now and you can pre-order the title before it's released in November 2016 that's right only six months away how very exciting um, also more exciting 
and actually released. Hold on, how can things get even well, more exciting? Well, here we go because Joe. there's even more new series news. And in fact, this new series news is a little bit old because it should have been announced last week. Because what we did is we announced Unit Silenced, but it hadn't actually wasn't actually read time to announce that yet, so that went out early. So instead, last week we announced in the podcast. In the podcast, yeah. yes. Well, you hinted at it. We hit, no, no, we we fully. Oh, no, we did. Talk we about we it we, 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 gave, cover, we, gave, yeah. we gave all sorts. Well, the cover will be online now, okay. so you can see that. But last week we did really reveal the War Doctor Three Agents of Chaos, which is John Hurt's third box set back as the War Doctor as that big finish with Jacqueline Pierce as Cardinal Lister and Nicholas Briggs as the Dalek Time Strategist. How exciting. He's like the Dalek Time Controller's evil big brother. <laughs> the first story in the set is The Shadow Vortex by David Owenham, in which the Time Lord shield that is protecting the Earth is broken, and they send the War Doctor on a mission to 60s Berlin to fix it. Uh, starring this story is Neve McIntosh as Dalek Agent, Agent Lara, with Honeysuckle Weeks as Helena. Uh, we also have The Eternity Cage by Andrew Smith, uh, which features the return of the Sontarans, desperately trying to get into the Time War. Which, which we entirely failed to talk about, <laughs> well, I entirely failed to talk to Dan about during the interview. Absolutely, so never this. mind. But Dan Starkey does indeed appear as the Sontarans, with Josh Bolt as Kalan. And then finally, in the, for the box set, uh, The Fate of Gallifrey Hangs in a Balance in Eye of Harmony by Ken Bentley, in which the Dalek Time strategist gains the upper hand, leaving the War Doctor and his allies to fight to stay alive. You can hear all about that when the box set is released in September 2016. This very year. This very year. <laughs> and in fact, we've got one more thing to reveal that's coming out this year and next year, and that is a Big Finish Christmas Special. How very exciting, because in both December 2016 and 2017, our monthly short trip range will have Christmas specials. Uh, 2016's title is called The Hesitation Deviation by James Goths, uh, which stars Lisa Bauman as Bernie Summerfield, travelling on a new adventure with the Seventh Doctor. Wink. <laughs> uh, and in uh, December 2017, we'll have O Tannenbaum by Anthony Keach. Uh, which is the first Doctor and Stephen story performed by Peter Purvis, which will also be quite creepy. Anthony um, Keach. Yes, oh, he's an actor, you know. He is, but he's also a writer. So, you know, it's very Yes, exciting. he is, I know, yes. That's brilliant. Uh, that was the news for this week, but unfortunately there's something we do have to address before we rush off, uh, which is apologies. <laughs> Not only did we mess up last week by announcing the wrong box set, but Andrew Smith has been in touch because I made a joke about Scotland. So sorry, Andrew. Uh, is Andrew Smith Scottish by any he chance? He is very Scottish and also very he, hard. So. He does. <laughs> Ex-policeman, yeah. He, he does a very insulting impersonation of Cockneys, though. Does he? Well, we oh, should yeah. get him on the podcast. Well, obviously, we need, to, doing we need Cockney. to get him on the podcast and get him insulting Cockneys. And then the Cockneys can write in and yes, get him angry as well. Uh, there's another thing we have to apologise for which is two weeks ago when we were uh, chatting about our favourite TV show, Eight of Wands. Yes. Uh, I very foolishly called the brilliant Victor Pemberton, Victoria <laughs> Pemberton. Now, we noticed this before we put it live, and in the notes of this podcast, we had a secret competition for anyone who's paying attention to see if anyone spots my mistake. Yes. And that uh, competition has been won by Nicholas Kaluda from the USA, and he's going to win a prize. What that prize is, we don't quite know yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be sent to I was soon. really intrigued to know what well, the prize we'll, is It'll be something be. from in this room. Maybe one of these wonderful Big Finish mugs. 
Oh, yeah, that yeah. sounds good, doesn't it? We can re- we we lost half of them in the kitchen the other day, so we may as well get lose a few more. Did now. you? Yeah, someone stole them. Up. Ian put left them in the kitchen, and now they're all gone. <sighs> yeah, well, never mind. Well, now another one will be gone. So well done, Nicholas. And if you want a winner mug, I don't know, go and buy one because I'm not going to make any more mistakes ever. Unlikely. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. And now time for listeners' emails. Here we go. Lovely listeners' emails, read by me. This first email is from Matt, and it has lots of questions for you to answer, Nick. Okay. He says, hi, Nick, and possibly Joe. How have you guys been? Very well. Good. Well, yeah. <clears throat> Jolly thank good. You, thank stressed, you. but yes, it's all good. Uh, just finished re-listening to Death to the Daleks on Joe's recommendation from a few podcasts ago, and love the awesomeness of it. Benny and Brexitel are excellent against the Daleks. Oh, death and the Daleks. No, no, death. That's oh, is it? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, because we have. Yeah, yeah, so I remember same, now. Yeah. We do have another story called Death to the Daleks, which and is uh, episode something three of, uh, of episode three of Dalek Empire series one. There we go. But there's Death and the Daleks, both are brilliant. Um, Anyway, Matt continues with his questions. After meeting Gemma Redgrave at a Comic-Con, I asked her if she's up for any of the classic unit personnel, for example, Joe Grant or Elizabeth Klein, uh, to make any appearances in Unit the New Series. Yes, and what did she say? Oh, she said, she said she likes the concept of Klein. And no, no, but what did Gemma... That's what I'm saying. Oh, right. Gemma, said, Gemma says she loves the concept of decline and would love to meet her in the, if she had the chance. How does she know about the concept of decline? Well, perhaps she's been doing her research. Perhaps she's an excellent I find actress. that hard to believe. Well, there we go then. Well, may, maybe <laughs> yeah. Matt told her about it. Anyway... Uh, yeah, the, I think that's, that's it, yes. Yes, so in, the, in, in, in conclusion, is there any chance of that happening? I, t- I would never say never to that. Yeah. Mm, good idea. Good idea. I, maybe we're already thinking about Ooh! it. <laughs> that's the that's the best sort of answer. Now the forums are on fire. Good fun. Uh, the next one is next question is with the release of the next uh, series of Gavray in the next few weeks. Is there a possibility of hearing Juliet Lando's third incarnation of Romana anytime soon? Uh, I can answer this one. I suggest listening to Gallifrey Enemy Lines and finding out what happens. Mm-hmm. That's all we'll say for now. Okay, well done. Uh, since uh, Siobhan Redmond's expected to meet the Seventh Doctor in the Raleigh Elite, could a matchup be organised with the Seventh Doctor or even with the Eighth Doctor? Uh, that's always a possibility. There are no plans at the moment, though. Uh, with two more novel adaptation, adaptations planned, will our novel adaptation series continue, possibly with the adaptations of some of the missing adventures? No plans for that, but I wouldn't rule it out. No, I think wait till they've all come out, Joey. There was the last yes. two. The last two out in December 2017. And in fact, the secret one has been recorded soon, so we'll be able to tell you about it. It is. Very the exciting. secret one. It is very secret. I think it's, was it DWM501? Pick that issue up two months away from now, and it has all the secrets revealed in there. Uh, finally, Matt would like to say he's loving the spragtastic moments. I would love to suggest one, but there are too many to choose from. So I might go back and listen to a few. Uh, and find the ones I'd like to read. Can I please also ask about a podcast uh, from 2009, uh, which was hosted on your website called One Small Step, which was a short trip adventure that you wrote, Nick. Hmm. Uh, is there any chance of putting this on our SoundCloud or re-releasing it as a podcast? Yeah, there's every chance. I really ought to just find um, 
find the file. Absolutely. I'm surprised it's not still up there. I, th- I actually thought it was still up there. Okay, <gasps> we'll, we'll have a track down. Perhaps after Sherlock Holmes is finished, we could see yeah, that. Yeah. That could be fun. Oh, it's not long enough to be well, we can, we can, we can We'll just put it in a podcast. Absolutely, we can do that. Okay, well, thanks for that, Matt. Uh, our next lesson. We could is serialize it in three second installments. We could do, couldn't we? Just align <laughs> the Doctor up. and in next well, week. Absolutely, just carrying that for a year. That wouldn't get boring, would it? <laughs> um, our next letter is from Mr. TJ Ranking, and he says, "Big finish." <laughs> in that voice. Yes. Big uh, finish. Yeah, I've read this out. Big, big finish. Uh, with your podcast, you give me an outlet to express my thoughts, okay. which is a very bad thing. Well, I can just stop reading the letter. So. <laughs> Never mind. Overall, your work is fantastic. Overall. But sometimes, but sometimes I have to say, I have some qualms with the box set formula. Most of the all overarching plots have been great, but some of the individual episodes seem to have plots too big for the hour-long format. Do they? The have res- you got any particular examples? Uh, yes, he does, actually. The yeah. results are usually rush plots or concentrations on plots at the expense of characters. I feel like this has happened a lot with the latest Doom Coalition and the last Dark Eyes box set. He's making me feel lately that I might prefer the main range with its trilogies, with individual stories that have more time to breathe. Can I ask, what is the motivation behind the box sets, and specifically the hour-long episodes? I'm very curious why this decision was made, as opposed to making box sets with three-story trilogies a la the main range. Please don't take my criticisms as malice. Although I feel I, uh, this way, I can say wholeheartedly that I love the work you do. Your, con- your, contribute- yeah, your contribution so much to the world of Doctor Who fandom is fantastic. Well, well done for almost reading that out. Yeah, I'm sorry. I uh, got it wrong. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, it's certainly a point of view. People love the box sets. Um, it's a format that works and is popular. Um, but, I mean, th- those are valid criticisms. I haven't heard them from anyone else, though. No, So, uh, But we'll certainly uh, look into narrative structure and see if things are being rushed too much. And, and it, it, it's a point that I will raise at one of our meetings, just, just to keep an eye on that sort of thing. But, you know, we do offer a variety of different narratives and yeah and if you're thinking well maybe i'll go to the doctor who main range which is the um, uh, fifth sixth and seventh doctors also they're they're available in their own ranges now and and going forward we'll be offering individual subscriptions for those not not at the moment but that is something that's that's coming up so there's always that option to sort of you know maybe give yourself a breather from a particular range you're following and then go back in and and see how you feel about it but yeah hmm the whole business about the the pace of a story is at the crux of what we do and we do experiment with different ways of doing it and each different way doesn't always appeal to everyone i hope that's some sort of answer should we just have one more email because i'm really stuck for time okie dokie well this is a good one from mr octavius von gilgamesh he says he's a brilliant name absolutely and he says hail and well met lord briggs and company <laughs> i'd just like to say congratulations on all the great work you have done are doing and hopefully will continue to do so well into the future but if you will permit a few questions that i hope that all powerful all-knowing sir briggs can answer <laughs> oh dear. have you ever considered bringing the big finish cast and crew to israelis for all of your fans to here what? to israelis and i that's pronounced right because i checked that Oh. Israelis for all your fans here in the Antipodes. Oh, right, it's in okay. the Antipodes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you fancy a big finish day in the Antipodes? Yeah, of course. Well, obviously, well, we'll get it booked in. Um, that would be wonderful. It just cost a fortune. <laughs> you would, we, uh, if you're willing buy, to pay for buy it. Buy some more CDs, and we'll see how we get on. Um, also, big, being a big fan of the big finish CD art, 
Is there any thoughts on perhaps making any of these available as standalone prints? Uh, we'd love to do that, but I, th I don't know. We'd have to look into that because that's, you know, they're Doctor Who things. So maybe we could do it with, um, with non-Doctor Who stuff. Um, but it would it would involve another license. Basically. Yes, yes. Yeah. We've, we've just got one, so we don't need yeah. another. <laughs> we could always ask them, can't we? Yeah, we can see what they say. Okay, so that, that's the end of the emails for yeah. this issue because I've got a marketing meeting for Big Finish <laughs> soon and I've, I'm already slightly late leaving. Okay, so now it's time for the Dan Starkey interview, What I Did Earlier. So, Dan Starkey. Hello. <laughs> My mellowest of sounds. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming into the big Finnish office at this unholy hour of 9.52 in the morning. It's and there's a train. Right. It's coming through. Yes. Oh, a good yes. train going through Broccoli. We are, we are blessed here. It's the, it's the crossroads of London. <laughs> they would distribute well. The Omphalos. <laughs> so, um, how are things? Uh, yes, they're fine. Thank you very much. Yep. When was the last time you were in doing a big finish thing? D d ignore the train. Um, it was a little while ago. I think it might have been for David and Catherine's actually recording. I've done some after those. Yeah. Because we, we recorded them out of sequence, so I, I, I forget. But I think that, that was that was earlier this year. So, yeah. Yeah. So you were there to witness that momentous... Indeed I was. Thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's been released last week. And our server's okay now. I'm glad to hear it. And you've also done some writing for us as well. Yes, yes, I have. Uh, there was. Oh, hello. Was <laughs> um, my, incoming I'm message. Closing my computer. Yes. <laughs> Dan Starkey's script was terrible. <laughs> no gold stars. Um, no, I did Terror of the Sontarans, um, uh, which was about. Yeah, two. Yeah, last year it was released, and we recorded it sort of a little while longer ago than that. And. Um, uh, I've written a short trips as well since then as well with uh, Nicola Bryant, which I was yeah that's I think that's the last time I was here. So I wasn't I wasn't acting. I was listening to Nicola deliver my um, deliver my limpid prose on uh, on a short trips. Well, you went to the studio. Did yes, you? yes, I did to, to to hear that and um, suggest last minute emendations to sort of. Like, <laughs> oh, that that's difficult to say. It's very strange, like isn't it, when you're sort of like when, when I'm, I'm used to doing talking books and voice acting, but when you hear your own lines going out and going, oh, oh, that's that's quite a complicated nugget of a sentence to actually sort of I tell you what I could take out a couple of syllables there couldn't I to make it easier for everyone but um, yes it's, it's good it's, it's always a learning process it is hard to tell sometimes isn't it what is and isn't speakable because sometimes you think oh that's the too complicated sentence but it comes out fine yes. and then likewise yeah. something short but can trip someone up yes um, so we've just briefly touched upon a couple of things you've done for Big Finish, but uh, how do you, I mean, do you dare define yourself in terms of what you do, what you do most, what you prefer doing, all those things? No, I, I, th I think that sort of, um, I think with, with any sort of thing, you, I think you're just limiting yourself if you used to say, I am a voice actor, I am an actor. I'm, I'm lucky enough that I get to do a range of things. And I think it just keeps you, it keeps your tool sharp to sort of keep on doing Different things, you know. I think I think I'll, you know, the last couple of years or so with being in Doctor Who and being with us versus Aliens, and that was very useful in terms of, okay, I understand what goes on in a television studio now. I think I understand a bit more screen acting. I've still got a little, we've always got more to learn and that sort of thing. But I think just being part of that kind of process, that kind of industrial process, same as being in a sound studio. 
but suppose more so the film studio it's kind of you forget it's not heavy industry but it's an industrial space and it's a place of work where there are lots of things going on and you as the actor are one very small part of it you know backstage at a theater that's that's again it's a light industrial space but it's more that that is a more actor-centered medium um but I think, yeah, I think it, 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 the, 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 the basic thing is, is making stuff up and, in, and uh, using your imagination to tell sto- engaging stories with people and sort of doing stuff that's got an emotional hit. I think that's, 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 that's the bottom line of what I do. And also making people laugh is something which I enjoy doing as well. And so that, that's, a, that's a common current in whatever I do. But I sort of do things like I do voice work. I've started doing audiobooks a bit more, so like via BBC Books, which is interesting. Another sort of, you know, obviously having done lots of audio drama before, that's one, that's one sort of set of skills. The actual... It's suppose it's like doing a nice little sprint, doing a sort of day in Big Finish or on a BBC radio play, but then sort of doing an audiobook is more like you're going in for the marathon. So it's sort of sitting in a studio, talking for eight hours to yourself with you know, someone uh, engaging on the other side of the goldfish bowl, sort of like going, come on, keep, keep on going. You mispronounced that word. No, the word is blue, not blue, <laughs> <laughs> by the end of the day. But... Um, they're they're all parallel skills that sort of, that feed into each other, and and there's other other things which I do as well. Like I do sort of improvisation on stage as well, which is a great way of blasting out the cobwebs and stuff, which is just pure adrenaline and pure performance, and it's and it's great, and it's very live, and it's completely ephemeral, as opposed to not even theatre where you've got kind of like a run of weeks or months or something, something which just happens for that one night. The audience, you and the audience, are privy to something that happens in the moment, and then that's it. Yeah, that's incredible, actually. That's. Um that takes a lot of guts to improvise in front of an audience, doesn't it? Um, I think I was taught very well. I was trained very well. So, yes, that, I mean, it, whenever I go on stage, there's an enormous amount of adrenaline going through your system, but you learn how to manage that. Well, most of the time you do. <laughs> um, but um, but I, I think I think because the way in which I was trained is that sort of the, the first thing to get past is not everything that comes out of your mouth has to be absolute rolled gold brilliance. It's a difference between impro and stand-up. Whereas stand-up, you've got to be able to, you know, one of the things is being able to knock them dead. You know, so someone heckles, you cut them down instantly. And the point is, with improvisation, it's very different. So if the audience throws you something, then you throw the ball back. It's, it's a game that you play with the audience. So the first thing that comes out of your mouth could be quite mundane, but then you can listen to that, listen to yourself doing that, and then build on something more. So it's much more of a sort of, it's more of a sort of creative process, I think, rather than sort of, it's not, it's not, as, one-way, not as much of a one-way street as, as other things. How do you establish that relationship <laughs> with the audience, you know, to let them know that it's not about, you know, the killer one-liners? I think, well, I think by and large, I think in this country, um, impros a much younger sort of art form. I mean, there's things which have been sort of going on for ages, like the comedy store players, you know, the huge liners anyway, sort of crew, who are fantastic. But that's kind of... That's just one thing out of a huge range of sort of different different ways in which you can sort of uh, play with the audience because that's very much short form games. We take sort of like a suggestion from the audience, then we riff off it, and then we sort of do another game, and it's got a restriction or something. Whereas most recently, I uh, took part in this wonderful event called the uh, London Fifty Hour Improvathon, which is um, fifty hours on stage. It was great. I didn't sleep for over two days, <laughs> which was, which was and by the end of it, I was hallucinating, but I was aware that I was hallucinating. But it's a, because that that that's a, because yeah, it, that's a very different kind of format because it's like um it's like a rolling soap opera so it's 50 hours but it's divided into 25 hour and three quarter long episodes with like a quarter of an hour sort of rollover in between each one to give us uh, to give the actors a chance to like go and have something to eat um to get the, the audience <laughs> yes yes yeah all that sort of thing um and uh, and the audience will change over as well because some some people will try and see the whole 50 hours some people might just come in for the saturday night or so like the first or last episode or whatever but then everyone's come with a character and a costume and there's a director at the side who is calling each scene 
who's in charge of the overall sort of architecture of it. And so every actor has come, but they're not. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. 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 Um, and and usually there's a strong theme. So this year it was the Orient Express. So like last year it was uh, a Hollywood film studio. So you got the idea about there. There is a strong world that we kind of build in the first sort of couple of hours or so, and then we riff off that. And of course, because people are sleep deprived and lots of people sort of like you know have have particular sort of like taste, then it usually sort of goes into some slight weird occult sort of. <laughs> so the Orient Express did slight sort of did go to the top of the Himalayas and like at various points uh, we didn't quite go to Rayleigh, you know, <laughs> you know, visit Cthulhu himself, but it did it did have certain sort of like. Uh, detours or it went along there but it's just this amazingly it's, it's, it's an incredible high that you're so just it's very it's very pure because if you're doing like a half an hour long sort of like comedy set of impro okay you're hoping that it's going to be high octane it's going to be funny whereas this it's not that you can sort of like coast or whatever but it's much more of a you know it's about building relationships with characters and yeah. you see that happening live and it's uh, yeah, sounds it's like a vehicle's reversing into yes, our faces into our here. very faces yeah. I've got the headphones on it's actually become completely deafening Shut up. <laughs> How long can you reverse? There's not mm. that much room out there. <laughs> and the reversal is finished. Oh, yes. We can relax. Um, we had a, a, a pod, the podcast but one ago. We had Tom Webster, our designer. Oh, in, yeah, yes, yes. And he does the yes, RH, the RH experience. experience. Yeah. yeah. Have yeah. you seen that? Oh, yes, I, I've, been, I've, I've shared the stage with Tom at various points. Have you? We, we did do this, do this event, actually. It, it, it didn't happen last year, but... Um, for the Doctor Who's birthday, the 23rd of November, we did an event called Doctor Who's Lines Anyway, which was a great format. That <laughs> Where sort of was like, this? Um, it, it's, it's been at various places. The first one was in a pub called The Miller, which is quite a big impro pub near London Bridge, where they've got an impro show virtually every night. Um, the second one was at the Questers, in, uh, and that was a lovely yeah, place. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, no, no. no, no it was Ealing, Ealing, Ealing. Yeah, um, um, Turnham Green. Turnham Green, that's, that's, that's the one, right. yes. And l- the last one that I did was in a... In a space that isn't there anymore, but it was, it was one of the spaces uh, run by the Nursery Theatre, which was wonderful, so like railway arch, so like off Union Street, nice. which is a really great, you know, so like proper fringe venue with with with, with spores and everything. But uh, <laughs> it, it was really nice, and it's it's another um, and, and it's a lovely format that was devised by a wonderful improviser who taught me in the first place, called Tom Solinsky, um, who writes for Big Finish, of course. Oh yes, um, yes, uh, and. Um, Basically, again, it, it, with, with lots of improv things, it's about sort of building up a relationship with the audience. So, first of all, you get the sort of like the, the MC going, "Okay, do you want to? Uh, tonight we're going to see a lost episode of Doctor Who. We're going to see episodes one and episode four. The other two episodes are lost in the BBC archive somewhere. Um, so, first of all, you know, we need a title. So, you think about a classic sort of like seventies episode of Doctor Who. We need something like a place and something unpleasant. So, the something of something. And so, you get suggestions from the audience there, and it's like then you get sort of like an audience vote. Do you want a, a spacey adventure or a historical adventure? So, like, mm, something more spacey. Do you want a more horrible adventure or more a science fiction adventure? That kind of thing. So, you get parameters instantly, yeah. and then I think a couple of improvisers all the improvisers will have come sort of in costume so you've got three uh, improvisers who will audition to be the doctor and three who will audition to be the companion and um, and yeah and then they and then again there's there's, there's, there's the, the MC is kind of like directing from the side so you see it scene by scene to sort of, so it's, 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 it's a two way process but yeah so we, we did that and I shared the last one I did that I shared I shared the stage with Tom actually I've done it twice with Tom which was uh, which was great yeah I think the first time we did it together he was a uh, Yes, the, the monster we got from the audience. And what is the monster they're going to oppose? Um, and the answer was uh, from the audience was Abba. So, <laughs> so Tom was some villainous Swedish meatball that sort of uh, was trying to create a galactic war. It made sense at the time. And uh, and yeah, and last time I, I got to play the Doctor, which was great fun. And he was he was he was in my nemesis, I think, as well. And I regenerated at the end, possibly into into somebody else. 
I can't remember who I can't remember who it was now. <laughs> so obviously, Dan, the yes. BBC approvals process for this must be a nightmare. Well, g- given that uh, <laughs> given that it's completely ephemeral in the moment, and trust me, no one is getting, no one is making a money out of it. So it's, uh, no. yeah. I just imagine you as someone from BBC Worldwide sitting in the wings, going, "Oh no, actually, that's a bit off-brand. <laughs> that outrageous comedy assertion you just made." Of course. No, we actually have Swedish meatballs in the episode two of the next series, so uh, we don't want to create brand confusion. Yes. Yeah. That's, yes. yes, that's an exclusive, by the way, yes. you've just mentioned yes. that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> falafels, not uh, meatballs. <laughs> do you, uh, like, Tom, he does the RH experience, he's part of that. Are you part of any particular group with a name? I'm just thinking if people wanted to maybe catch no, you doing not, something. not at the moment. I might be, I might be so shortly, but um, at the moment, I, I think, because, you know, I, I'm an actor who does impro, so I, I hop in and out of it, but I think it's, it's it's making the commitment to actually be part of it. At some point, I've been meaning to do this for the last couple of years, but at some point I might put together my own group and then sort of... Uh, uh-huh. And let people know. Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise, what are you what are you doing? You know, letting the, do you have a Facebook page or, a, or I, if you look at my Twitter feed, that's Twitter uh, feed. Facebook, right. Facebook. I have a Facebook, but it's it's my sort of own normal one. Yes. Um, and then I don't go there. Feed. Don't go oh, there. Don't go there, Fran. Um, <laughs> a, a, a website. We got a website. No. Get, get a website. I've got okay. Okay, I've got I've got my Twitter feed. I've got at Stan Darkly. S T A N D A L K L E Y. Oh. It was a clever pun many years ago. <laughs> sort of, uh, no one has been able to spell since. <laughs> now, um, of course, we've mentioned your big finish stuff. So, I'm interested to know whether you actually listen to big finish generally. Do you have time for that? Yeah, I, I think sometimes I, I get stuff through the uh, the post that I'm in. Right. And occasionally, I've, I've sort of asked David to like to, to forward things, and, and and certainly I might uh, cherry pick a few things here. Oh, really? As well. Um, but you yeah, can't I, take I, it from there because that's, that's those are no, that's, that's, no, that's that's the uh, that, yeah, that's uh, a display see, of doom. See, just uh, behind Nick Briggs here, there is a wonderful wardrobe. No wardrobe, <laughs> bookshelf, bookcase full of uh, titles, past and present. Which you are mean my wonderful impressive. wonderful wardrobe? Yes, yeah. my wonderful wardrobe. <laughs> Narnia, cornucopia of sonic delight. Um, no, I, I, yeah, so I listen to sort of, I think I listen to Dark Eyes, and also sometimes when I'm doing a range as well, then it's good to actually know what the sort of tone of it as well. So I listened to the first Dark Eyes that I wasn't in oh. to get a feel of that. And also, just I wanted to hear the uh, the um, Damaged Goods, that, that's where Damaged Goods yeah, and a well-mannered Russell's, walk as well. Yeah, yes. yeah, the Russell's, Russell stuff, which was which was great. And yeah, and, and occasionally I, I have had, you know, and some of the, uh, I think I was very intrigued to find out what the uh, the, the prequel to Talons of Wang Chiang was like, the uh, the uh, Fifth Doctor one. So yeah, no, I I, I, I do listen to the odd one. I don't, don't listen to them all, no. but um, certainly who ones does? Like, yes, yeah. that would be actually impossible. Be quite it? yeah, because you know it's quite prolific, really. So yeah. it's kind of uh, Joe, jo, do you yeah. listen to them all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that was a hmm. Yeah, hmm? Yeah, that's Joe there, who's been responsible for the strange creaking noises of the chair. <laughs> No, no, don't be daft. Mm. You enjoy yourself with your creaky chair. We've had trains, we've had reversing vehicles. We're not going to worry about your creaking chair. Sit back down. He was actually kneeling there. Yes. It's like one of those soldiers in the plastic toy soldiers (laughs) kneels with the gun, you know. Yes. Um, The question I'm sort of driving at, which listeners will possibly, Mm. regular listeners will be aware of, is that I ask people what's tingling their molecules in terms of big finish at the moment that they particularly like. That's why I was asking whether you listen to the Oh, gosh, I I haven't actually heard the David Tennant's, um, uh, apart from the one that I was in, which obviously you don't, when you're in the studio, you get an idea about what it's going to be like, but then before the sound design, it becomes, uh, the the palette is greatly enriched. But I'm really, just just with that script, Jenny Colgan's script was lovely, because it really, it was so redolent of that whole sort of series four, that sort of 
breathless sort of like technicolor rush of those adventures so I'm very interested to see here what um and it's with how how long ago that was now as well it's just kind of that is a period of Doctor Who like the Pertwee years or whatever I know which is which is extraordinary <laughs> and then the, yeah which David and Catherine were reflecting upon you know yeah. meeting people who said oh yeah I grew up with you yes. and you're thinking no yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing so yeah anything else that's you know that you've listened to that's that you've enjoyed that maybe you're not involved in I mean you mentioned Dark Eyes that's worth mentioning since I wrote and directed it yes <laughs> I did enjoy Dark Eyes but I, uh, thank yes. you Dan <clears throat> And I think it's, uh, and sometimes as well, just, just when I've had ones where, which I've been sent, where I've had, you know, because the nature of it, you sometimes get a line where you're a robot just dropped in, that's something, you also do it on some other day, and it's like, oh, that's really good. <laughs> that's, I would have liked to be in more of that. That's, that's, that's a great adventure. Um, and, and also actually doing, doing, doing the Avengers as well. That's, that, that's been great fun oh, yeah. as well, because sometimes doing lines for 110, you know, I've, I've had the whole sort of box set sent to me, and it's kind of like, oh, yeah, that's nice. And it's, 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 it's such a wonderfully sort of, um, it's, it, all the stories are very well carpentered. And also writing, writing one as well because I wrote one for the fifth, uh, the, the the lost episodes one, the, uh, of the Avengers, yeah, yeah. Of the Avengers um, for Nightmare. That was a very interesting. Just how how scrupulous um, sort of John Dorney and 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 Ken were about sort of uh, Ken Bentley was sort of saying about the actual the kind of unities of the drama that you've got to imagine it's nineteen sixties three camera television, so you can't have a seal. You would, now you, would, you wouldn't think about so like just having a, a time break. So two characters, right? Let's go there in the car. Ah, now we're at the hospital. You can't do that because physically the two actors would have to run from one side of the studio to the other, and so they'd have to have some kind of intervening scene or sort of some character actor goes on in a hat and so it does a little sort of routine for five minutes to let them sort of change. <laughs> it's very interesting as 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 a as a technical yeah. challenge to actually sort of write that sort of thing. You know, I'd just like to go off on a tangent there because there's an example I think in Quatermass Two, ah. where there's a character and they do do that kind of mm. jump cut, the time mm. break to mm. a next scene, and what they do is have the character the new character mm. in the scene talking to the people who are in the last scene but they're yeah. clearly not there yet and they keep the camera on them oh, until they're in position yeah. and there is a sort of sense of a little flurry of activity behind the camera yes. and also the person the other actor's eyes are not quite focused enough until yeah. you can tell yes, when the other actor, line, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when the other actor arrives oh, you can see it, and yeah. then they cut to the wide shot showing them there but that was yeah Interesting, isn't it? Yes. Now you can now you talk about quite a mass. I, I have got uh, a couple of series of countermeasures on um, on 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 CD as well. And I have. I think I've listened to the first one of those. But that's that, that's because I, I, I love, love quite a mass as well. But it's that kind of period as well. Which I, yes. Yes. Yeah. I need to make a yes. Make, make a detour and listen to that. And also, I'm very interested to hear Survivors as well. Oh yeah. Which again, I've got it on my bookshelf, which I haven't listened to. But I know that now you've got Neve um, doing it as yes, well. Yes. So that's I'm right. Just to hear started that. recording it. Yeah. And my very good mate Fiona Sheehan as well, who's uh, part of a. a yeah, my comedy theatre company, the Fitzrovia Radio Hour. So, um, are you yes. responsible for her being in Big Finish? Did you push her forward? I think I might have suggested her name uh, amongst 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 other people. I think I think I think John might have met her as well. But um, but yeah, but so definitely this. I think I'm trying to trying to create a bit of cross pollination as well. My my old mate John Bond is also in um, who's also part of the Fitzrovia Radio Hour. He's also in uh, Terror of the Sontarans too, playing a character that's very similar to a character that we have in our Fitzrovia stories. Oh, really? Um, who's just like this? Um, yeah, Colonel Excalibur Rogers, who's this kind of ridiculously hearty kind of uh, paratrooper sort of type character. And uh, the character that I wrote, who, who I got John to play, I realised, oh yeah, it's called Anvil Jackson, who pretends that he's a galactic hero. Um, <laughs> But it's uh, it's it's, it's, a, it's a similar. Definitely, I just started writing that, and then it's, it's funny because when I'm writing, it's it's having the voices in my head, and so there are very specific voices that I will sort of, I will have, and then yeah, 
obviously as a writer you've got to then sort of let go because you know you're, you're not directing it you can't do every single role but it's kind of like there was especially with something like Terence Santarans there was one character who was clearly he was clearly Max Wall he was talking like that no, no my dear that sort of thing and, Max um, Wall was a, how can you explain to people who don't know Max, Max Wall Max Wall well he's ama- he an amazing sort of figure actually because he started off um, I think his father was an Edwardian musical performer and he sort of came through variety so he was like a comedian in the sort of 1950s and stuff and he had so he was musical he could sort of he had this very peculiar he was an eccentric dancer I think is the way to describe it so he was very very bendy and he would do these kind of ridiculous kind of uh, sort of dance routines where he would sort of like contort himself as well and also quite an extraordinary looking skull like face yes you know quite engaging but so sort of like face quite like a skull but sort of later in his career he uh, started doing very very sort of straight legitimate theatre like sort of Samuel Beckett and stuff yes. and I was first aware of him when I was a kid because he had a bit of a career renaissance just before he died in 1990 um where he was in the film Jabberwocky, which is one of my favourite films, which yeah. is Terry Gilliam's first film, the sort of Monty Python-esque film, where he plays King Bruno the Questionable, who's um, <laughs> this awful medieval monarch. Um, like, uh, yeah, who's like, oh, yes, I, I, I won't go. <laughs> I'll start sort of doing the entirety of Jabberwocky. Um, <laughs> and also he played, he played the devil in this one-off comedy thing that was one of the first things I recorded off television when I got a video recording when I was 11. It's like, um, I am Beelzebub, Satan. The horned one. Old Nick, the great god pen. Let's not be formal. You can call me Kevin. <laughs> so so it's, it's, it's a voice that pops into yeah. my head. But also I had this, had this one character in... Um, also, because the way I was thinking of that as well, with because with, I, I rewatched bits of season 24 in that particular period of Doctor Who, and I sort of thought, yeah, because it's just about conceivable that Max Wall would have still been alive, and he could have been legitimate stunt casting yeah. for John Nathan Turner to put in. So, okay, I'm going to write a character that's Max Wall. Oh, that's a brilliant thought process. I yeah, know. yeah. So that was, that was that was another one. I mean, it's like yeah, it's, it's, it's other ones as well with certain certain other periods. I think it's, it's very because it's very useful when you're writing something to have something that distinctive because then you write then the character. And writes itself. Yeah. Once you worked out what the mechanics of the plot are and that sort of thing, then you you've got dialogue. As I say, it's, it's where the impro feeds in, yeah. because then you've got you know you can talk to yourself in different voices and, and so on. Um, but yeah, writing is a form of impro, isn't it? Yes, Once you've got oh, your yeah. basic stru- <coughs> structure, yes. up, which of course you yes. do with your improvisation. There, as you say, there's a sort of structure you ask for structure from the audience. Yes, yeah, and and, and I think there's definitely sort of like you know, the thing which I find more of a challenge with writing is is, is just plotting and so like making things work coherently rather than going off on amazing tangents. It's like I mean, if it's, a, it's a thing. My favourite. I mean, one of the reasons one of the reasons I have do have done radio is because I grew up with the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which I had on tape Same. when I was a kid, Same and I listened yeah. to that going to bed at night, you know, for you know years and years. But it's really, I think it works best. I mean, I love the books, but so I think it works best as a radio show. Definitely, and yes. you could tell it was being written week on week that Douglas Adams' brain is firing all cylinders and yes. going on tangents. It has no sense of narrative coherence, but it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah and yeah. great performances. And so like this huge sound palette as well. It's that, that's, that's, that's a joyous thing, which is just this you know, bubbling away world. And the books, the books get more interesting. The books start off like sort of written up versions of a radio script. And then they get more carpentered and they get darker as they go along. And the books get better as books, but it's less, it's less of that sort of rush. They get more melancholic, I think, towards the end. It's all the ones yes, I, I didn't follow them right to the end, but it's interesting. I think that Douglas Adams was uh, exploring the, the medium of, of a novel mm. rather than mm. making it yeah, an adaptation of a radio play. He sort of got more at yeah. home with that. Interesting, isn't it? The Hitchhikers for me is, yeah. is almost like the beginning of everything. Yes. You know, I was already fiddling around doing audio plays of my own, and then <laughs> yeah. suddenly I heard this on the radio. Yes, 
thought, yeah. wow, this and is incredible. That and the Lord of the Rings, the BBC oh, Lord of the Rings, right, um, yeah. which was, I think it was repeated on Sunday lunchtimes when I was a kid. Because I, th- I think they originally made it about 1979, but it's like it was it was played at various points in the 80s and stuff. And it's, yeah, and it's great. It's sort of Ian Holm and sort of Michael Horden and, and uh, then called William Nye as Sam Gamgee. So it's Bill Nye, so like, talking like this, matter of Frodo, which is wow. hilarious. So it's, it's got this great cast and sort of some, yeah. I've got it on CD somewhere, and I yeah. don't think I've ever listened to it. Oh, it's great. I must do that. It's great. It's, uh, and, and also another one, which I was only uh, equating with relatively recently in the last 10 years or so, is the BBC, the BBC Early 70s Foundation Trilogy, which is... Foundation, Foundation, and Empire. Because that has got some performances that go all the way up to 11. It's amazing. Ah, what if I kill him and destroy you anyway? Why are you standing there with that gun in your left hand? Yes. So it's that whole thing of, you know, sort of, I think the older school of, of, of voice acting is basically the voice is an instrument, so why don't you use its full dynamic range, as opposed to talking like how people talk. <laughs> but it's, 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 a, it's a wonderful, yeah, it's yeah. wonderful. Look I up. dipped in and out yeah. of uh, foundation, yeah. foundation. It's a great power. story, but it's, 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 it's marvellous. It's just absolutely, yeah. It's very, it's very low on sound design, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Very good. The galactic war, we're being shelled. The presidential palace is being shelled. Yeah, I was there. I was transported back then when you did that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, well, listen. The final question oh. is this. Yes. What is tingling your molecules or agitating them? I can't work out whether it should be tingling them or agitating them. In terms of just general stuff, entertainment, you know, television, theatre, what... what what are you liking at the moment or obsessing about? Oh, gosh. Um, or is a guilty pleasure? A guilty pleasure. Like Judge John Deed or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, obviously. You know, I, I don't, don't say anyone. I do go to Judge John Deed conventions, you know. <laughs> so they're, they're very small events. But, uh, Hopefully yeah. no one knows what we're talking yeah, about. That's what, that's what I mean. <clears throat> No, it's the, uh, <clears throat> as the Daily Mash said, when Lovejoy joins the Marvel Universe, I'm looking forward to that particular. <laughs> particular one um oh gosh put me on the spot now what am i watching at the what moment? did you watch last night on telly i watched a film with hugh jackman in it and oh. it was very grim but it was good yes <laughs> thank you it was yes he yes it was uh about sort of yes abducted children it was very it was very bleak but mm-hmm. uh, it was good it was good and i and before those called? prisoners Prisoners. Yes. And um, and because before that, the t- previous two nights, I actually haven't been out much this week. It's been a bit, been a bit sad. But I watched the two Wolverine films with Hugh Jackman in, and I quite enjoyed those. Yeah. So I get summer, so it was like a nice big popcorn superhero film. Oh, yeah. And then I, you know, and then I watched some art house cinema to sort of bounce it off as well. <laughs> so it's a, I like, I like do both, you, both though? Yeah, I do, actually, yes. Yeah, no, I okay. think I think you know, different 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 colours. And what am I reading as well? So I'm like, what was I reading? Oh, yeah, I started reading J.G. Ballard again, and he's kind of like, yeah... Yes, I, th- I had to stop reading J.G. Ballard at sort of like... Um, oh, High Rise. Yeah, Ben Whitley's film of High Rise. Amazing. I saw that. seen it. It's yeah, amazing. he's fab. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, again, it's not sort of like blockbuster sort of popcorn stuff, but it's like, it's just great. Because I sat there in the Odeon in, in Covent Garden on a Sunday afternoon, and the first sort of scene, I was sitting there just laughing my head off, and everybody else was going, oh. <laughs> just because like, I've seen Ben Wheatley, obviously I've worked with Ben Wheatley and that sort of thing, and it's, it's people, you could hear the audience like going, oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> this, this isn't, hmm. And by the end of it, people were going, oh yeah, I didn't understand that, but it was amazing. So it's, um, I think it's a very good um, sort of synthesis of kind of like, you know, sort of spectacle 
bursts of like a quite not high mindedness, but it's 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 very it's very particular in the way. But I, I I do like reading J.G. Ballard, and I had to stop a couple of years ago reading stuff because I was getting very very strange dreams. Just just the amount yeah. of dystopian sort of imagery that sort of like flashes in it because it's all to do. It's not just kind of like. A, you know, the uh, sort of hero of the apocalypse, you know, sort of Mad Max stuff, which is great. But it's more about, especially the books, it's more about the psychology of if the world ended, what the hell does that do to your brain and your attitude towards things? And so there's one I'm reading at the moment called The Drowned World, which is... Yeah, and it's it's more to do... it's, It's not sort of very, very plotty, but it's more the case of... You know, we're retreating to the lizard brain, and sort of the, the the world is hotting up, and sort of you know, for some reason, I don't understand. I don't understand why, but I want to go south. I don't know. It'll kill me, but I want to do that. And it's it's just that kind of wow. That's um, it's 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 whose idea? Was, I think it's John Carpenter's phrase of his. He called it left wing or right wing science fiction. Is that right wing science fiction is something is external and it's invading you, and so you have the doughty hero who'll protect us from it. But left wing science fiction is something that sort of comes from. It's not a political thing necessarily, but it's something that comes from within. And something that's already been there. It's like that Quatermass sort of thing. You know, the aliens have already. You know, we are the Martians. That kind of thing, which yeah. is, yeah. yeah, which is which is interesting. But the fact that a novel can actually sort of you know affect you in a way that affect you in a different way from how a film or other things can do. And it's that's, I think that's the joy of audio as well, is that it has an intimacy, which sometimes in the world of visual spectacle you you don't necessarily get. Whereas you know, sort of when dozing off, listening to sort of like a piece of audio drama or sort of reading, then that can really seep into your brain and <laughs> give you some very odd thoughts. Yeah, you've got to really listen to Survivors. Then. Yes. Oh, yeah, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. That's I. I do the music for Survivors. Yeah. After I did the first episode, mm. way back now, I suppose. Mm. I, I literally had to sit down and weep because <laughs> it had upset me so mm. much. And I also, I was away from my wife and child and I had to phone them up to see if they were all right. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You> know, yes. <laughs> it's not real, Nick. It was just a play you were listening to. Yes. Yeah. Dan, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. What a pleasure. Yeah. This has been my favourite interview this podcast. Oh, well, thank you very much. I'm, I'm touched. <laughs> thank you. Well, there we are. Dan Starkey. Brilliant of him to come in. He came in at very short notice, but luckily he lives only about two minutes walk away from the Big Finish production office. Just That is a pure coincidence. Um, and we've known that for some time. Yes, we've been watching him. So now it's time for a randomly selected release from the Big Finish archive. Joe, in a fit of efficiency, has already crawled over to the wall of shame or big finish releases oh and it's a destiny of the doctor night of the whisper by Kevin scott or as i like to call him kavan scott and mark wright or as i like to call him mark were right I, d- I don't know i've gone slightly insane and it's performed by me and john schwab who's american and it's got me doing my christopher eccleston voice that was pretty good rose anyway that's it so stop, <laughs> stop it yeah so there you are um uh, and this was a, a co-production between uh, well it wasn't a co-production we made this for audio go as they were and then they uh, disappeared and so the rights of it reverted to big finish hooray as stated in the contract folks <laughs> which is probably uh, confidential so i'm breaking all the rules by mentioning that um and uh, great fun to do um I mean, it would be lovely to get Chris Eccleston in to do something, but I can't, it's, it doesn't seem likely in the in the long no. run. So, but I'm um, interested to hear what people think about this particular story yeah. because actually, even though we had a we you know we did all the new Doctors up to Matt Smith in in this series, and we mostly had their companions come in. We actually had Jenna Coleman and Catherine Tate, 
did the uh, did the tenth and eleventh Doctor stories. Uh, but I think it is quite interesting to hear what with our listeners if, if this is a format they'd enjoy going yeah. forward because obviously we'd love to tell lots of stories about the ninth and eleventh Doctors who are both very busy doing off wonderful things. And if it's something we enjoy, it'd be good to hear from people to see if this is something they like. Really, absolutely. Well, I mean, I would say immodestly that Destiny of the Doctor, Night of the Whisper, was one of the most popular of the releases that's what michael stevens who you know was in charge of all the uh, editorially of all the releases audio go has told me on numerous occasions and um you know i'm, I'm glad that people took my uh, ninth doctor voice in the affectionate spirit in which it was intended it's not an impersonation as you heard of, of christopher eccleston it's not particularly accurate it's just a little flavor of, of an actor whose performance I really admired and really enjoyed working with him. So it, it was it was a bit of a privilege to do that, really. And John Schwab, who I met on Dalek, who's the first person to be exterminated by a Dalek in the new series. That's uh, his claim to fame. Uh, lovely to work with him again. We see, but, you know, when we were filming Dalek, we seemed to, all of us, spend a lot of time together in the hotel. I don't know, I don't, I don't think Doctor Who took longer to shoot in those days, but it was, it was a real uh, team spirit and... Lots of fun, and it was fun to to um, have a touch of that again with John while we were recording this. Yes, just the two of us. It's amazing. Every time I think of this story, I think of all the characters in it, and I I'm always surprised to realise that it's just two people in it. <laughs> you know, I thought oh, there, there must have been at least fifteen people there, and I thought uh, Kavan and Mark. I don't know why he's going to hate me for saying that. Kavan and, and Mark did a fantastic job of capturing the spirit of that era. Oh goodness me! I also have to do a Rose and John Barrowman voice. <laughs> oh, John Barrowman would not leave me alone for that if he had heard you, my you terrible. Can do, we can re-record it with John's own <laughs> yeah. voice now. He's he's in studio today. We can. Get, he's probably already doing it for a bit of a laugh. Really. Yes. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Anyway, let's hear the trailer. Someone strode through the smoke, a tall figure sweeping through the chaos, wide-brimmed fedora, obsidian black cloak billowing out behind. One of Wolfsbane's men rushed forward, gun up. The cloaked stranger lifted a leather-gloved hand. Cobalt's <laughs> blue energy sparked from the newcomer's fingers, hitting the heavy in the chest, knocking him back. The guard was dead before his body thumped down beside Rose. He hadn't just been shot, he'd been desiccated. His withered corpse smoked, all sallow cheeks and wrinkled skin. A shadow fell over Rose. Stomach knotting tighter, she looked up, straight into a featureless mask. Justice will be served, the stranger hissed. There was nowhere to run. Looming over Rose, the masked man raised his arm, death-dealing fingers pointed at her. Screwing up her eyes, Rose waited for the blast. Justice for all. Miss Tyler, this is... Inspector George Dixon, the newcomer announced. New, new, new Scotland Yard. From Earth. Oblivious to the commissioner's glare, Inspector Dixon plonked himself on a chair opposite Rose. I'm helping the locals investigate this whisper bloke. Saw him, didn't you? Rose leaned in. Yeah, at the club. Dixon mirrored her. Fantastic. What was it like? I was asking Miss Tyler about her life before New Vegas. We don't have any records. Of course, silly me. The inspector clicked his fingers and snatched up McNeil's data pad. 
His fingers ran across the touchscreen for just a few seconds. Founder, full rundown of Miss Tyler's movements for the last five years. He passed the pad to McNeil. Must have been a glitch. Happens, doesn't it? Files get deleted. Emails lost. But she has a link to the Whisperer. She does? Asked the inspector. He attempted to attack her, nothing more. We don't know that. I do. Checked her records twice. The inspector leant forward, hitting a button on the pad. As you can see, Miss Tyler had a problem on Gratchik Major. Need to talk to her about that. McNeil's shoulders sagged. In private? Earth business. We'll need a full statement. Leave it to me, Chief. McNeil turned and stalked out of the interview room. Rose went to speak, but the inspector shook his head. He slipped his hand into his jacket pocket. That's better. Don't want any eavesdroppers. The doctor grinned widely. Hello, Rose Tyler. Doctor Who, Night of the Whisper, performed by Nicholas Briggs with John Schwab as McNeil. So there you are, Destiny of the Doctor, Night of the Whisper. Yeah, why not have a listen to that? We might do some more stuff a bit similar to that. Yes, I've got ideas. Oh, yeah, excellent. Yeah. And actually, that one is quite yeah, it's quite a low price on the Big Finish website at the moment. Yeah, you oh, can yeah. pick it up as a bargain. It's a bargain. It's, it's a bargain. bargain. Go get it and find it. Excellent. Well, jolly good. Okay, well, time now just to mention our latest releases coming out yes. this week. Coming up tomorrow, yes. which will be the Tuesday, uh, we're going to have Gallifrey Enemy Lines coming out, starring Lala Ward, Louise Jameson, Sophie Aldred, and all the others. Let's have a quick snippet of that. Leela, get in! No! But how are you here? Never mind that, I'll explain everything once we're back. Back? Back where? Gallifrey! <laughs> Fantastic! Brilliant! What a wonderful trailer! Um, I've listened to it all. It's my favourite series of Gallifrey yet. Wow. It's fantastic. There's a recommendation and a half. Absolutely. And then the very following day on Wednesday, we're going to have the final instalment of Pathfinder Legends, Mummy's Mask, Pyramids of the Sky, Pharaoh, which is very exciting. It's Pyramids of the Sky, Pharaoh. Pyramids of the is Sky, that Pharaoh. That's said? a very. We can't even fit that title into a tweet. It's so long. <laughs> um, absolutely fantastic. Uh, Ramon Ticaron shooting people with death rays and everything just he, he always does that he does that in studio just in general it's the survivors he was doing it it's like this isn't canon but he did it anyway and so let's hear a little excerpt from it now one thing a life of adventure on the open road has taught me is that the only certainty in life is that there are no certainties growing up amid wealth and comfort in the city of absalom Death and suffering were alien concepts to me. My father was a wealthy merchant. His success shielded my siblings and me from poverty and misery. I barely knew what the words meant. As a middle child, I knew little of the eldest's responsibility or the complete freedom of the youngest. Cosseted in an affluent neighborhood, the life of Ezran seemed certain to be one of formless mediocrity. What did I say about certainties? Betrayal ripped into the heart of my family, destroying it from within. Destiny is like certainty, a concept I do not truly believe in. But if such a thing were possible, my destiny was set that day. To search, to discover, to learn. 
I had slept for many years knowing nothing of the Pathfinder Society that headquartered itself in my home city. Their ranks are still closed to me, even though I have grown powerful in the wizardly arts and amassed knowledge of more beyond. The path to knowledge is a blind one, if you do not truly know what it is you seek. I know that now. Perhaps it's why I came to Assyrian. Just another path to formless knowledge. A path that has led my friends into peril at my bidding once again. Wonderful. And then finally on Thursday, one of our most highly anticipated releases of the month, apart from the thing with David Tennant in it, we have Dracula, starring Mark Gatiss. Wow. Based on the obviously beloved novel by Bram Stoker. It's a three-hour adaptation, and it's just glorious. By he, Jonathan Barnes, isn't by it? By Jonathan Barnes. Yeah, adapted by Scott Hancock, yes. Yes, do yeah, adapted by him, obviously. Yeah, yeah obviously. Like, just just make up, I've got this new story for you. It's about a vampire. It's like, oh, this is good. It's quite like uh, that Frankenstein one you came up with. Like, yeah, that was a good one as well. Excellent. Yeah, I've had an idea like that. It's called Jekyll and Hyde. Oh, I've no. just done it as a stage play. I wrote it. Yeah, yeah that's I wrote good. It. It's a good, good idea. Yeah, it's on. It's on in uh, Western Supermare at the moment. Uh, um, oh yeah. Hyde, if you oh, want. For, it, for, yeah. for this week, yeah, yeah for this, prob- for that week. We probably should have kept the focus on Dracula, but never mind. You know, that's right. <laughs> go and see, go and see, go and see Jekyll, Jekyll and Hyde, Hyde. And, and if you don't like it, have Dracula on your iPod and listen to it while you watch brilliant. it. That would be a brilliant experience. Absolutely. Let's have a quick thing. snippet of uh, Dracula. One thing alone we lack. Our souls indeed have fiercer hunger than the body's need. Oh, happy they that look in loving eyes. The harsh world round them fades. The master's voice in sweetest music bids their souls rejoice and wakes an echo there that never dies. All right, that's the latest releases. Absolutely, and then we've only got one more for me, which will be the last short trip. But that's not out till next week, so you have to oh, wait. Well, Sorry. Bit of tantalizing there. Um, so uh, now we have to say what's in the next podcast. Well, given that we came up with this one about nine o'clock last night, um, I don't know. Uh, we've got. There's a possibility, isn't there, that there might be something coming from us. It's coming to us from Cardiff. We yes, can say we're, nothing we're, else. we're hoping so. We're hoping a certain man in Cardiff will be able to give us a few moments of his time if we're lucky. And other than that, we'll I don't know. We'll get Dan Starkey in again playing a different character. So that we go. <laughs> Starring Dan Starkey as Charlton Heston. And absolutely. Why yeah. not? Marvelous. Okay. Well, um, is that the end of the podcast? I think it is for this week. We all have meetings to get to. So off we go. Goodbye. Goodbye. Time now for the latest instalment of Sherlock Holmes' The Hound of the Baskervilles. Sherlock Holmes has taken on the case of the mysterious death of Sir Charles Baskerville, allegedly killed by a spectral hound, dispatching Dr Watson to Dartmoor to protect the young heir, Henry Baskerville. Watson is so far suspicious of the manservant of Baskerville Hall, Barrymore. Meanwhile, Henry has become enamoured of the sister of Stapleton of Mary Pitt House, but she has rejected Henry's advances, and Stapleton himself seems thoroughly disapproving, then mysteriously understanding. Later, Watson and Henry discover Barrymore signalling with a candle at a window in Baskerville Hall. 
And what is more, someone is returning the signal. pinpoint of yellow light suddenly appeared on the moor, glowing steadily. There it is! Now, you rascal, do you deny that it is a signal? Come, speak up! Who is your confederate out yonder, and what is this conspiracy against me? No, no, sir, no, not against you. Mrs. Barrymore, explain yourself! It is my doing, Sir Henry, all mine. Mr. Barrymore has done nothing except for my sake and because I asked him. Speak out, then, what does it mean? My unhappy brother is starving on the moor. We cannot let him perish at our very gates. The light is a signal to him that food is ready for him, and his light out yonder is to show the spot to which to bring it. Then your brother is... The escaped convict, sir. Selden the criminal. That's the truth, sir. Every word of it. Well, I cannot blame you for standing by your own wife. Go to your room, you two, and we shall talk further about this matter in the morning. Seldon cannot be far away. Out by the cleft tor, I think. Not more than a mile or two off. And he is waiting, this villain, beside that candle. By Thunder Watson, I am going out to take that man! I will come. Get your revolver and put on your boots. The sooner we start, the better. Fellow may put out his light and be off. We must close in on him rapidly, for he is said to be a desperate fellow. I say, Watson, what would Holmes say to this? How about that hour of darkness in which the power of evil is exalted? My God! What's that? I don't know. It's a sound they have on the moor. I heard it once before. What's that? It's the cry of a hound. What do they call this sound? I... Tell me, Watson, what do they say of it? They say it is the cry of the hound of the Baskervilles. Should we turn back? No. No, by thunder. We have come out to get our man, and we will do it. When we reached it, we found a guttering candle was stuck in a crevice of the rocks to keep the wind from it. What should we do now? He must be near his light. Let us see if we can get a glimpse of him. The words were hardly out of my mouth when we both saw him. Over the rocks, in the crevice of which the candle burned, there was thrust out an evil yellow face. A terrible animal face, all seamed and scored with vile passions, with a bristling beard. Then our man was running with great speed, springing over the stones in his way with the activity of a mountain goat. Sir Henry and I were both swift runners, but we soon found that we had no chance of overtaking the convict. It's no use, Watson. He's too quick. I agree. By thunder! Look! There! On the tour! Another man! Where? God! He's gone! The convict? No! He is far from here. Besides, this man was much taller. A warder, no doubt. From Princetown Prison. The moor has been thick with them since this fellow escaped. Perhaps. Such are the adventures of last night. And you must acknowledge, my dear Holmes, that I have done you very well in the matter of a report. Much of what I tell you is no doubt quite irrelevant, but still I feel that it is best that I should let you have all the facts and leave you to select for yourself those which will be of most service to you. 
So far as the Barrymores go, we have found the motive of their actions, and that has cleared up the situation very much. But the moor, with its mysteries and its strange inhabitants, remains as inscrutable as ever. Perhaps in my next I may be able to throw some light upon this also. Best of all would it be if you could come down to us. In any case, you will hear from me again in the course of the next few days. I woke to find the house was banked in with rolling clouds of fog, which rose now and then to show the dreary curves of the moor. The baronet was in a black reaction after the excitements of the night, and I was conscious myself of a weight at my heart and a feeling of impending danger, ever-present danger, which was the more terrible because I was unable to define it. My mind returned to the facts of the case. Always, apart from the hound, there was the fact of the human agency in London, the man in the cab, and the letter which warned Sir Henry against the moor. Where was that friend or enemy now? Had he remained in London, or had he followed us to Devon? Could he be the stranger whom I saw upon the tour? Ah, Barrymore. You know, Watson, this impudent fellow considers that he has a grievance against us. Oh? I was much surprised when I heard you two gentlemen come back this morning and learn that you've been chasing Selden. The man is a public danger, Barrymore. There are... Lonely houses scattered over the moor, and he is a fellow who would stick at nothing. Look at, at Stapleton's house, with no one but himself to defend it. He'll break into no house, sir. I give you my solemn word upon that. In a very few days, he'll be on his way to South America. Hmm. If he were safely out of the country, it would relieve the taxpayer of a burden. But how about the chance of his holding someone up before he goes? We have provided him with all that he can want. Clothes, food, money... To commit a crime would be to show where he was hiding. That is true. All right, Barrymore, you can go. God bless you, sir. And thank you from my heart. Uh, what is it, man? You've been so kind to us, sir, that I should like to do the best I can for you in return. It's about poor Sir Charles's death. I know why he was at the gate at that hour. Well? It was to meet a woman. I don't know the name, sir, but I can give you her initials. L.L. How do you know this, Barrymore? Sir Charles's study, sir. It hasn't been touched since his death, and my wife was cleaning it. She found the ashes of a burned letter in the grate. Most of it was charred to pieces, but there was a postscript at the end of the letter that yet survived. Please, please, as you are gentlemen... Burn this letter and be at the gate by ten o'clock. Beneath it were signed the initials L.L. Have you got that slip? No, sir. It crumbled all to bits after we moved it. And you have no idea who L.L. is? No, sir. Very good, Barrymore. Thank you for your candor. Well, Watson, what do you think we should do? I will let Holmes know all about it at once. It will give him the clue for which he has been seeking. Wish that he were here. And this is what I did, sending all that I had learned post-haste to you in London, Holmes. All the next day the rain poured down, so I put on my waterproof 
and I walked far upon the sodden moor, full of dark imaginings. God help those who wander into the great mire now, for even the firm uplands have become a morass. I found the black tor upon which I had seen the solitary watcher, and from its craggy summit I looked out myself across the melancholy downs. As I walked back, I was overtaken by Dr. Mortimer driving in his dog-cart over a rough moorland track which led from the outlying farmhouse of Foulmire. He insisted upon giving me a lift homeward. This is no weather in which to be walking the moor, Watson. As well I should know. Has something happened? My little spaniel. You may remember him from our train journey. Of course. He's gone missing. Disappeared. Several days now. I'm sorry to hear that. Yes. My wife and I are very saddened. But if the poor animal's been anywhere near the Grimpen Mire, I do not fancy that we'll see him again. Quite so. By the way, Mortimer, I suppose there are few people living within driving distance of this whom you do not know. Hardly any, I think. Why do you ask? Can you tell me the name of any woman whose initials are L.L.? Or clues, eh? Well, let me think. Ah, wait a bit, though. Yes, uh, Laura Lyons. She lives in Coombe Tracy, Franklin's daughter. What? Old Franklin the Crack? <laughs> exactly. She married an artist named Lyons who came sketching on the moor. He proved to be a blackguard and deserted her. Her father refused to have anything to do with her because she'd married without his consent, so the girl has had a pretty bad time of it. But how does she live? Her story got about, and several of the people here did something to enable her to earn an honest living. Stapleton did, for one, and Sir Charles for another. I gave a trifle myself. It was to set her up in a typewriting business. Mortimer had stayed to dinner, and he and the baronet played écarté afterwards. The butler brought me my coffee into the library, and I took the chance to speak to him some more. I trust this precious relation of yours has departed, or is he still lurking out yonder? I've not heard of him since I left out food for him three days ago. Did you see him? No, sir, but the food was gone when I next went that way. Unless it was the other man who took it. You know of the other man, then? Selden told me of him, sir, a week ago or more. He's in hiding too, but he's not a convict. What else did Selden say? Did he find out where he hid, or, or what he was doing? A kind of gentleman he was, living among the old houses on the hillside. The stone huts where the old folk used to live. What about his food? Selden found out that he has a lad who brings him all he needs. I determined that I should go the next morning, the 18th, to Coombe Tracy. For it is there that this Mrs. Laura Lyons of equivocal reputation resides. Thereafter, I would examine the stone huts on the hillside, for there was surely evidence to be had from the dwelling of this other man. <laughs> <laughs>